Good morning. We are almost to the end of our series on the life God blesses, and in two weeks we'll begin the season of Lent that leads up to Easter. And the preaching theme will change to a series called Teach Me to Pray. We'll focus in on practical ways to grow a stronger, more meaningful prayer life. We'll also be using a daily prayer card that we'll distribute on February 14th, asking everyone to pray this prayer every day up until Easter Sunday. So make sure you're here on the 14th to get your card. But for this morning, our topic is The Life God Blesses with Witness from Psalm 67. So let me now read Psalm 67 for us. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen. This is the word of God. You are blessed to be a blessing. Did you know that? You are blessed to be a blessing. And more than just a trite phrase, that is the simple truth of Psalm 67. God blesses us for a reason. He blesses us so that we can share this message of mercy and love with the world around us. You're blessed to be a blessing. We have been looking at what it means to be blessed by God. And the consistent teaching of scripture is that God has already blessed us with everything we need from him. You don't have to wait for some future time to know whether or not God wants to bless you. He's already done it. He's already doing it. Uh, God had a plan from the beginning that people should be in this intimate relationship with him. And he had a plan through Christ to adopt as his own sons and daughters all who would turn to him. This is the greatest blessing God can offer anyone to know that you were created for a purpose, created to be connected with your creator, to know that you were created in love, created to live in the confidence of God's greatness, created to serve him and fulfill his plan in the world. It is a blessing of of, of identity and purpose and confidence, of of forgiveness and hope. He, He blesses us with his own presence draws us closer to himself, blesses us with the word of God to guide us and with the indwelling Holy Spirit to empower us, blesses you with the promise of answered prayer to uphold you. God's blessing comes through this kind of personal affirmation as we recognize we're beloved children, created uniquely, full of worth and value in his eyes. But his blessings also come through loving relationships and family and friends, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And and like I talked about last week, he blesses us with a heart of compassion so that we might share God's own heart and become more and more like Jesus. I hope we're all at the point where we can honestly and sincerely say, I have a life God has blessed. If blessing means receiving the love of God, then I have a life God has blessed. If blessing means receiving the mercy and grace of God, then I have a life God has blessed. If I have at some times experienced God's empowerment, a a moment in which there was a lifting above the normal limits of, of wisdom or strength or endurance or moments when the presence of Christ brought brought calm to my anxious soul, 
then I have a life God has blessed. If there are times when God, God brought the right people into my life at just the right time, then I have a life God has blessed. And if there have been moments of awareness and closeness with God, a feeling of, of inner freedom and celebration to praise and worship him, then I have a life God has blessed. So here's the main point. Once you recognize in a deep way that your life is already blessed by God, then you need to realize that you are blessed to be a blessing to others. Jesus said, to those to whom much is given, much is required. And this is part of God's blessing that, that a lot of people don't get. God doesn't intend for his blessings to stop with you. You and me, we're all supposed to be a link in the chain, not the end of the line. Just a link in the chain. You know, you're not the end user. You're to be a conduit of God's blessing to others. God wants to work through you to bless others. So you and me, all of us, we're, we're supposed to look beyond ourselves and see what God is doing in the world and then get with it. In fact, one of your life's greatest blessings will be when you realize God is using you to bless someone else. Like if you go on the family mission trip to Mexico, God uses you to bless a family in need and that's when you know you are smack dab right in the center of God's will. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's what Psalm 67 is all about. It tells us the purpose of God's blessing. We are blessed so that others may know God's salvation. Now the background for Psalm 67 is pretty important. Some psalms were written for you know, just individual worship where the psalmist pours out his heart to God and often those are the psalms that people identify with the most because you can identify with the, the feelings of the psalmist. Other psalms were written for corporate worship where the people assembled together to give praise to God and this psalm was written to be used in public worship. In ancient Israel, this psalm was connected and used every year during the Feast of Pentecost. Now, as Christians, we tend to think of Pentecost as the birthday of the church, you know, when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles as described for us in the book of Acts. But Pentecost was a, was a Jewish holiday. That's why so many people were in Jerusalem on that Holy Spirit anointing day. Pentecost was one name for a Jewish holiday that was also called the, the Festival of Weeks or the Festival of the Harvest. Because Israel's in a different part of the world, the harvest season takes place in May and June. So you could compare the festival of the harvest to our American Thanksgiving. You know, it's a time when people just thank God for his many blessings. And in an agricultural society like ancient Israel, celebrating the harvest was a big deal because there was this keen sense of dependence upon God, you know, for rain, for sunshine, a, a healthy crop and a good harvest. Protection against, you know, natural disasters and pestilence. Without God's blessing, they would not get a good harvest, and a good harvest meant that they wouldn't starve and would have enough food for the coming year. So God is praised at the harvest. But Psalm 67 goes beyond just giving thanks to God for what it has done for Israel. It reveals God's heart to be a blessing to all nations and all peoples. It's a reminder for the people of Israel that the reason God chose them to be his special people was so that they could be a blessing to the entire world. From the beginning, that was God's purpose for Israel. God's call to Abraham in Genesis 12 was all about blessing. God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse 
uh, those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth blessed through Abraham's descendants. The descendants of Abraham were to have a missionary purpose. They were to be a witness to the one true God, to Yahweh. And they would be the people through whom God would send the Messiah, the Savior Jesus, who was the beginning and the end of salvation. Ancient Israel was to be a missionary people, a light that would draw others out of darkness into God's love, a light to say that there is one true and living God and that he wills to be known by all peoples of the world, a God of salvation, a God of justice, a God of power, a God of grace. Isaiah the prophet picks up on this when he states God's purpose for Israel this way in Isaiah 49, 6. I will give you, Israel, as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. A missionary purpose to all people's groups, all languages, all nationalities. Israel was to express the light and the love and the mercy of the one true God. But unfortunately, that's not really how things turned out. Instead of sharing the message, Israel became kind of insular and protective of their special status. There was kind of an us versus them mentality. Israel became prideful because of its unique position. And in a sense, they, they took advantage of their favored status. And instead of serving other nations, they sort of claimed superiority. So in a sense, the psalm was a gut check. It was a reminder that God had a greater purpose for them as a people because God blesses his people so that his salvation may be known among the nations. The scope of God's blessing goes way beyond this Pentecost celebration of a good crop at harvest time. God's blessings should circle the globe. The Psalm 67 got passed on to the Christian church. An interesting thing happened. It sort of got labeled the missionary psalm. It was used for centuries to kind of motivate Christians to support world missions and the sending out of missionaries overseas. And world missions, I mean, that's a great thing and certainly an authentic application of what the psalm teaches. But here's the thing. And this happens anytime we use a label to describe a portion of, of the Bible. As soon as you label it the missionary psalm, most people's eyes just kind of glaze over. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, be honest. In our world, when we hear the word missionary, it means somebody else going overseas to do something, and, and that ain't us. It's about someone other than me. I'm not called or gifted to be a missionary, so this psalm doesn't really apply to me. I'm kind of off the hook. It's for the few, the proud, the missionaries. You know, that special class of, of super dedicated folks. So this doesn't really apply to me or the rest of us poor schlubs who just stay at home and get a real job. Well, I got bad news for you. You are not off the hook. It is a lot easier to talk about missions or spreading the gospel overseas than it is to be a witness right here at home. But times have changed and the greatest mission field in the world is right outside your front door, right here at home. We no longer live in a Christian nation where the majority of people are active in their faith in Christ. Uh, those days are long gone if they ever actually existed. The landscape has changed and we now live in a place that is very unreceptive to the message of Christ. Did you know that the headquarters for the American Atheist Organization recently moved to Cranford, New Jersey? I mean, I know we're not the Bible Belt here in the Northeast, nor, nor do I want us to be, but now we're home-based 
for the atheist movement, I mean, right? I mean, you know the secular mindset of the majority of the people in our region, the people you encounter every day while commuting, at work, at school, in your neighborhood, even in your own family. The vast majority of people do not evidence any true faith in Christ or even much of an interest in the things of God. In fact, many folks are openly antagonistic to the Christian faith. In New York City, there has been a determined effort to kick churches out of public schools, churches that were you know, renting space for their Sunday services when no students are in the building. It was providing income desperately needed by the schools, but no, the powers that be are not friendly to people of faith, and they want the churches out. That's just one example. But the whole environment of our area is kind of potentially toxic to faith. Our culture is hostile to faith because in general people don't believe in any kind of universal truth. And so when you start talking about Jesus, you kind of cross into forbidden territory because Jesus is the truth with a capital T. And that makes people nervous. For most folks, there, there is no universal. There's no universal story. There's only their personal story. No universal truth, only their personal truth. And the highest value is just to be accepting of everyone and everything except those who actually believe in God, the God of the Bible. So you're a bigot or a nut job. The mission field is right here at home. The other reason we now live on the mission field is that because of the ease of travel and economic shifts and immigration policies, the world has come to us. You don't have to go overseas to encounter other cultures. In the borough of Queens, they discovered that the students in the public schools speak 138 different languages. 138 different languages. The whole world lives in Queens. It's the most diverse uh, area of the world. And we're seeing an increasing kind of cultural diversification out here in the suburbs too. A, a wonderful mix of languages and cultures. The world has come to us. And I think it's safe to say that before anyone gets sent overseas to become a cross-cultural missionary, they should spend some time here in the U.S. with that people group. Because what makes a person think that they can be effective for Christ overseas if they can't be an effective witness here at home? Right here in our own region, there is a desperate need to share the love of Christ in culturally relevant ways so that God's salvation will be known to all the people groups right in our own backyard. Now don't misunderstand me. I do believe international missions is very important, but quite frankly, Americans are not necessarily in the best position to become cross-cultural missionaries. It takes years to learn the languages and the cultural nuances. It's far more effective to equip the Christians who already live in those countries to reach out to their own backyard. And it costs a lot more money to send an American out on the mission field than it does to equip indigenous people to reach their own people. You know, for, one, for example, I, I read a recent study that said in India there are 4,600 distinct people groups. How can American-born people be effective there? Almost impossible. What we need to do is to support the Christians in India who already know the languages and the cultures. They can be up and running much faster and be far more effective. So our job with international missions might be just to provide financial and logistical support and training. That's a much better partnership. Yes, there will be some who are called to international missions, but most are not. So here's the most important thing of the day. 
What's your mission field? What's your mission field? You may not be called to cross oceans, but you are called to cross the street. You may not be called to go to other nations, but you are called to go to somebody else's cubicle. Every follower of Jesus has a mission field, and you need to know what yours is. Let me say that again. Every follower of Jesus has a mission field, and you need to know what yours is. You need to know and be conscious of God's call on your life to be a blessing to others and to share the good news of salvation in Jesus. The worst possible thing is to keep it to yourself. That's worse than selfish because it means you don't really understand God's blessing. God's blessings are all designed to be shared. That's actually where the greatest blessing comes from when you give yourself away in Christ's name and Christ's service. Folks, to take all the blessing we have received from God and be absolutely silent about it, that, that's just not right. We need to intentionally, intentionally look at our daily world and see the opportunities God has already placed within your reach and intentionally start to live for Christ in those relationships. Just start with your normal daily routine, the people that you encounter every week, your current circle of influence, and begin to look at that with fresh eyes. Look at it as your mission field, the place where God has called you to be a witness, both by your actions and by your words. And you don't have to wait to be an expert in evangelism to begin uh, to be a blessing to the people who are in the circle, uh, your circle of influence. Being a blessing right where you are, what might that look like? Well, let's learn from a woman named Linda Wilson Allen. There was a front page article about her in the San Francisco Chronicle. For the last 26 years, she's been a metro bus driver in, the, in San Francisco. Think about that. What a thankless task of driving a bus you know, in our world. Cranky passengers, engine breakdowns, traffic jams, you know, gum on the seats. But Linda sees the bus as her mobile mission field. She loves the people who ride her bus. She learns their names, waits for her regular passengers if they're running late. She simply cares about the people that she meets. There was a woman in her 80s named Ivy who had some heavy, heavy grocery bags and was struggling with them. So Linda got out of her driver's seat to carry Ivy's grocery bags onto the bus. And now Ivy lets all the other buses pass her stop so that she can ride on Linda's bus. Linda saw a woman named Tanya in a bus shelter. She could tell Tanya was new to the area, was lost. It was almost Thanksgiving, so Linda said to her, you know, you're out here all by yourself. You don't know anybody. Come over for Thanksgiving and, and kick it with me and the kids. And now they're friends. Linda has built a little community of blessing on her bus. Passengers bring her presents now. Potted plants, floral banquets, uh, bouquets, I mean. When people found out that she likes to wear scarves to accessorize her uniforms, they started giving her scarves. When people get off her bus, she says, I love you, take care. Have you ever had a bus driver say, I love you? You might ask yourself, how does she have this attitude? Well, the Chronicle states that her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes. Because as Linda says, there's a lot to talk about with the Lord. And then she's off to start her early morning shift on the bus. And all day she prays. She prays for the people that ride her bus. Prays for the opportunity just to, in some simple way, to share the love of Christ with them. And people have come to experience the love 
and the salvation of the Lord because of a woman who sits behind the wheel of a metro transit bus, but who sees a greater purpose for what she is doing. That's her mission field. Now, how's that going to work its way out in your world? That's for you to figure out. That's for you to figure out. It will be different for everyone, but that's for you to figure out with the Lord. It does begin with prayer, praying for the people you already know, praying for the people that you work with or live near or go to school with, the people who are already within your circle of influence, praying that God will give you the eyes to see the opportunities to be a loving witness for Christ, praying that God's blessing and salvation may be known by all peoples. Jesus said, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what Psalm 67 says. Take what you've received from God. Share it with others. You are blessed to be a blessing. Now go and do it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's just wrong for us to think of ourselves as the end user of grace. We do thank you for our salvation, Lord, but please, please motivate us. Give us eyes to see that there's a world out there that needs to know your grace, mercy, love, power, salvation, justice, and all the rest. And we're your agents. We're your hands and feet in that world. You've, all, you've placed us all strategically somewhere where we might be the only uh, Christian who's really active in their faith in that place, and that's why we're there, is to be a loving witness for you. Help us to do that with wisdom, sensitivity, understanding the, the nature of, of the marketplace that we might be working in, but Lord, help us to be intentionally active in sharing our faith. Help us to know our mission field. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.